morning. How are we doing? All right? Sounds a bit middling. (laughs) Anyway, let's just pray before we begin. Father, thank you so much for your love for us. Thank you, God, that when we meet, your desire is to speak to us, to encourage us, to build us up, to challenge us, but to move us forwards in knowing you. Thank you, there is always more of you to be known. And God, today as we look at what it means to be a Christian community, we pray, God, you would inspire us. You would raise our expectations. You would work in our hearts, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I don't know when the last time was that you went to a wedding. Might have been quite recently, might not be. A dilemma I know for nearly all couples going to get married is when they write the invitations. Because on the one hand, you want to appear polite. And on the other hand, you want to be clear. Because there are some people that you're going to invite to the service, but not the afternoon, and then back in the evening. And there are other people that you want to come all the way through the day. And from the other side, from us as guests' point of view, there's that moment of mystery. When you walk into the reception and you think, was I invited to this bit or not? (laughs) I've done it myself, and you walk around the tables, and you're looking for your name, thinking, is my name in this room? And where is the exit if I need to quietly walk out and pretend like I wasn't here? (laughs) Isaiah 25 has this amazing picture of this banquet at the end of time, which God invites us to. You are not accidentally invited. God loves you, and if you have said to him today, I love you too and you've become a Christian, then he loves you, and he sent this invitation to you. And when you became a Christian, there was a party in heaven for you in particular. Not some sort of homogenous mass of people, but for you. I find that amazing. Some people don't like their own birthdays, because it's a party for them, but this would be a party to outdo any other party for you. Because you are loved and valued. Notice, though, it's not an individual dinner that God invites people en masse and says, come and be part of this community of people that I love. And so today we're thinking a bit about what does it mean to be community? What does that mean to us? What would God say to us about being his community here on earth? Now, we're going to... Oh. Honestly, I thought I'd thrown all sixes today. Ah, did you do that, Pam? Oh, yeah. This is like an analogy between us and God, isn't it? Like, I think I'm doing all this stuff, but really, he's at work behind the scenes. Brilliant. So, Pam, I'm just going to be reliant on you from here on in. So, we're thinking about different circles of Jesus' community, and we start with the smallest one, which is a bit of a cheat, because it's just Jesus by himself. And we know from previous weeks that Jesus spent quite a bit of time just by himself, because he needed to be recharged. Now, some of you in here quite regularly are peopled out, and you think, I'm just done, I can't handle any more people, I just need to be by myself. And some of you, it takes a lot longer to get to that stage. But for all of us, there's that moment when we sense inside we need time alone, and Jesus was no exception. Next circle, please, Pam. Then, Jesus' next community, he's got the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. I won't try and explain that to you in two minutes. But just to really briefly, I'd say there's two extremes to avoid when we're thinking about what does it mean for God 
to be community, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The first thing to avoid is to say that God is just one, but pretending to be three. Like he puts on three different masks. Because ultimately that makes him some sort of weird personality problem kind of figure. And he's not. And we know that when Jesus is talking to his father, he's not just talking to himself. So there are genuinely three people in the Trinity. But the second thing to avoid is to think that one of them is the chief. And there's like two sub-gods or less godly people, right? And that's not true either. So God is three in one. And that's where Jesus found his community forever. God was love since the beginning of everything. And so he's been eternally sharing love between Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Now we're going to get on to the easy ones. So then we have the three, his disciples that were the closest to him, uh, James, John, and Peter. And so they were the people who were like his closest group and he would share the most with. He was there with them in Gethsemane. He was there with them at the Transfiguration. There's particular moments when these are the guys that he says, I want you to be with me. I would argue he was most... You jumped the gun there, Pam. <laughs> you do an amazing job at the back. I would say that he was the most vulnerable with these guys. And Jesus, I think, was vulnerable at times. And he was weak and he was tired at times. And so he needed people to lean on. And they were the people that he lent on. Uh, what's the next circle? You see, I was going to get them to do some work there for a minute. Then you've got the 12. So these are the 12 disciples and that Jesus spends an awful lot of time with them. Did you notice, by the way, when you look at the disciples, they don't have a timetable. Jesus never says to them, I'll see you back here next week, guys, 12 (laughs) o'clock. He doesn't do that. Instead, he's with them all week. They spend an awful lot of time together. And there's some questions in there for us, I think. What does it mean to be Christian community? Is once a week enough? Or actually, do we need a bit more? Most of the discipleship that happened with the disciples happened in the middle of everything else. While they were doing all sorts of other stuff, and Jesus shared with them, and they grew. And that's part of how Christian community works. One of my favourite moments in the last year was when I met Sandra in the park. It was a beautiful moment. But what was great about it is that we went around the park (coughs) talking to people and helping people to understand a bit about who God was. And we hadn't organised it, but it happened on the way. And I think very often Christian community is a bit like that. It happens in the midst of other stuff, and it certainly was with the 12. What would you guess was the next circle? 72. Some of you were here at the 9 o'clock. Well done. So... (laughs) 72, these are the slightly larger number. They still got to be part of things. They still were involved in the miracles. They were still very much Jesus' people. Slightly less time spent with Jesus, but they're still there, aren't they? And we've got two left. Uh, The next one is the Jews. Jesus said that he came first to the lost sheep of Israel. The reason was that they were the people who were expecting him. There was already that list of prophecies, things that they were waiting for to check that Jesus really was the Messiah that they hoped he would be. And if it was me, I'd have been there with my checklist, virgin birth, tick, born in Bethlehem, tick, lots of miracles and healings, tick, raising the dead. All sorts of things they were waiting for that told them Jesus really was the Messiah that they were waiting for. Many of them did join him and became part of 
what we would see today as Christians. Then finally, we've got the Gentiles or the non-Jews, or the genitals, as one of my kids kept calling them for years. (coughs) Thankfully, we don't call anyone that these days. But we think particularly of the Samaritan woman, the Syrophoenician woman as well. Different people who Jesus didn't feel particularly sent to, but actually were people that he spent time with. Could someone get me a drink? Is that all right? Actually, I've got a cup of tea. (coughs) If this was a posh church, there'd be a glass of water there, but never mind. (laughs) Don't worry, Shromi, we're not a posh church. It's all right, a cup of tea would do fine. Two glasses of water. What do you notice, though, when you look at the circles and you think about how Jesus spent his time in communities, what maybe does it make you think about? It makes me think that um, he didn't spend the same amount of time with all the people. Some people got more time, some people got less time. Some people he was more vulnerable with and some less. Some he shared an awful lot of truth with and explained things much more than others. There was a real variety. And for us, perhaps, the same thing's true as well. There are people that we will choose to be part of our sort of inner circle. There'll be people who we're kind of friendly with, but perhaps a bit less time with. Thank you. What else, perhaps, do we notice? Well, it's doubly posh now. Look at this. I feel like this is the start of one of those musical things where you've got to tap them and play a tune of some sort. (laughs) Two notes won't get us very far. (laughs) What if you did the same with your life, though? So here's what I did with mine. So these are... It works now. So this is my community. These are my friends. I'm sure there's more. Well, I'd boast that there's more, but there's probably not. So these are some of the different groups of people in my life. So I've got school friends. Generally speaking, they don't know anybody else. They're the school friends and they kind of stay over here. Then I've got relatives. Again, they don't know anybody else. I've got my biking friends and they know a few of my church friends. And then I've got my local friends who cross over a little bit as well. I wonder if you thought about yourself. Is there much crossover or not? Life is almost sort of set up so that there isn't a lot. Partly because we move area. Partly because we work often not near our homes, and often there's an an enormous amount of separation. And some of that is quite good, because it's quite fun to go and see different people. But there are three issues with it that I've picked up on. One is that I never feel like I have enough time. There's always one lot being diddled that would say, you're not really spending much time with us. The second issue, which I have to say God's helped me with a lot, is that at times we can be different in different situations. Now, Jesus, too, was a bit different. He shared differently with different people. But if we're not careful, we're very different in some of our circles. And there's a bit of a danger there of, well, who are we really? Are we really being transformed into the image of God? And are we able to then be the same people across the piece? But the final thing is, is that Jesus said, by this will you know, or will they know, that you're my disciples, that you love one another. And so if my school friends never meet you lot, how have they got a clue 
that we are a loving, amazing community. How would they know that? If my circles never cross, doesn't that cause a problem for my witness as a Christian? Because part of my witness is you, that the church is amazing and that people really care for each other. And this is part of the evidence that Jesus is real. I did a bit of research a little while ago, and I talked to a lot of men about how they came to faith. And they told me all the different things that made them consider faith in the first place. And this is what the converts said. So the people who had had no faith before and became Christians. And if you look, the biggest tranche is the green one, isn't it? And we'll see that. The green one is Christian communities and friends. That was the main factor, more by a lot than reading the Bible, 3%. More than quite a lot of other things. We are an incredible kind of resource in that people can look at what it means to be a Christian and it should amaze them as it is in the community. Um, The same thing, I've broken it now, the same thing is true of prodigals. People who were brought up with a faith went away and came back. One of the main reasons they came back was Christian community, the green bit again. There was a huge witness in people being able to see what does it look like to be a genuine Christian community. By this will know, they know that you are my disciples, that you love one another. When do our different circles get to see what that looks like? It's well worthwhile thinking about it. So how is a Christian community different? What is different about it? Let me just start off with an apology because sometimes it's not. I'm sure that we've all been in churches where we think, oh, This is not as it's meant to be. And if I asked you, I bet you could tell me some of the things that you found true in some places that you didn't like. And I would guess, if I had to guess my top three, I would guess it was cliquey sometimes. It was hard to break into. That people perhaps forgot about you when life was a bit difficult. That perhaps you volunteered for a lot and then afterward people took you for granted. Or perhaps the leader said or did something stupid and you think, oh, why did you do that? Because sometimes it goes wrong, because we are the church, and we all make mistakes, and I do too. And I'm sorry if I've been part of that. But at its best, Christian community is meant to be better and different than any other community. If you had to look at yourself and pick a best feature, I wonder what you'd choose. Have you got like a nice set of ankles? Do you think maybe your arm, you're like, oh, I've got good arms. So maybe your hair, maybe less so. But St. Paul talks about us being a body. And he talks about Jesus being the head. But what's really interesting, I feel, is that I might be your elbow in this analogy, or you might be my foot. Because the whole body is connected. I managed to hurt my shoulder uh, last week when I was away on holiday, and I knew about it because it was my shoulder. (laughs) I didn't need to be told about it. It just happened. If we're part of this amazing Christian community where we're properly joined and connected, we'll know about each other's lives. That's what we're aiming for, that kind of incredible link that we have between each other. The Bible uses the word koinonia, which is sometimes translated as fellowship, or a deep sharing, or partnering, or 
communion. It's the same word we used in communion. It's that deep intimacy between different people. And I hope that you feel some of that. We had the incredibly sad news this week that um, Dave and Fiona Barra's son, Tom, died during the week. And we were absolutely gutted about that, as I'm sure you may well be too if you know them. But one of the things they asked me to tell us is that we have been a family to them. We've prayed for them and delivered meals for them and brought flowers and done all sorts of stuff. And that's what it means to be church. We are properly committed to each other on a deep level. You might be my arms and I might be your knee. We are joined together. Why is this community different? I think three reasons. One is that because God is the one doing it. He builds the church, remember, and we seek the kingdom. So we're about the stuff out there, and he helps model the stuff in here. That's what we hope, that's what we pray for. And so God is at work forming us into the church he wants us to be. It's one reason that it should be different to anywhere else. The second reason it's different is because most of my circles I belong to because I'm good at something. It might be because I'm funny or think I am. It might be that I've got some sort of physical skill. But I'm part of most of my circles because of something about me that I'm quite good at or friendly or whatever. But I'm here, part of this, because I make mistakes. Which is interesting. I'm here because I can say to God, I need you. I've made a mess in lots of things, but I know you love me and you forgive me and you welcome me. And so we should be the most honest community ever because all of us are here because we make a mess of it sometimes, but we know God loves us and welcomes us anyway. And if you don't know that today, can I encourage you? It is the most wonderful truth when you grasp hold of it. None of us need to pretend in this place because we are all valued and loved and invited by God. And the final reason that I hope that we're different is we've got a common purpose. We're here to give glory to God and to see his kingdom come. So I wonder, what would this kind of community look like? Well, if we looked at our first reading, which I imagine you can't see because I've made it too small. This is from Hebrews. And the words I've highlighted are all of the plural words. There's next to no I's or me's in there. It's all us and we. So therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, open for us through the curtain that's his body. And since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience. All the way through, it's plural, all the way through. Because a big chunk of what we do as a church is to approach God together and to help each other to approach God together and to get to know him better. I asked our 20s group this week to write my sermon for me and they said no. But they did have some wonderful wisdom. I said to them, when has been the best Christian community you've been part of? I don't know what you would answer to that. When have you been in the best Christian community you've ever been part of? Probably most of you would say here, great, and we love it, which I think it is a wonderful church. They said the times when we lived with other Christians, 
the times when we shared food very often, the times when we did life together and we shared joy and pain, the times when we helped each other when we made mistakes, when we invited each other to point out in us when have we mucked up and to help us to rectify that and to come back to God and to live differently. Not one of them said, when I went to church once a week, none of them said that. It was all community. How are we community during the week, not just now? Which did make me wonder, have we got space in our lives for that? What would it look like to have each other in our lives a bit more often? I've been mulling for a long time what this would look like. On the one hand, you could spend all your week with Christians and make no difference out there. On the other hand, you could spend all your week with people who weren't Christians and feel like, well, is anyone encouraging me in my faith? But if you look at Jesus' circles, they're all blurred. He mixed them all. And I wonder if the same could be true of us. So I'm having a bit of an experiment at the moment, blurring my circles, inviting people to meet each other and seeing actually how useful that is and how helpful and how people get to see what it actually means to live as a Christian. In the book of Acts, which is, if you like, the start of the early church, it says how they gathered together every day and they did commune, they shared bread and wine, and they prayed, and they read the teachings that Jesus has handed down to them. But then it says, and every day, people were added to their numbers. And that's kind of weird, because I kind of thought, well, everything you've done in the last paragraph sounds like Christian stuff. So how did anyone get added to your number? <laughs> because surely they were all Christian already. But actually, what you learned from the book of Acts is there was a lot of mixing. And that's maybe something that we need to think about and to work out. How in our lives can we invite people from different circles to meet each other? To see what that love looks like to be Christians, to witness God's love in amongst us. So I wonder this morning what you perhaps would take from today. Perhaps it's a simple fact that you are invited to God's family that there is an invitation to you to be part of God's family, and it's not accidental. It's not something that's landed on your doormat, and really it's addressed to your next-door neighbour. You are personally loved by God and invited by him to be part of his family. Perhaps it's that you would need some prayer this morning to forgive the church for the mess it's made in something. Could be this church, could be another church. I don't think I'm the only person who's been part of church splits at different times, and it's often horrific. And you might need prayer in order to forgive so that you can again decide to be part of this Christian community. It might be that you need to have a mull over who would be your three or your 12. Who would be those people that you need on your team who you can be vulnerable with, who you can share life with, who will pray for you and be there for you no matter what. Or it might be a bit about blending circles. How do you help people to meet each other across different groups in your life so that those people could find out what does this love look like where you're my leg and I'm your arm and we have that commitment to each other that can transform our lives?